from Escape Student Loan Debt. It's the Escape Student Loan Debt Podcast, a show for established professionals whose student loan payments or loan balances are impacting their marriage, their business, their credit, or their dream of achieving homeownership. Tax filings, family planning, insurance needs, purchasing your home, business funding, they're all impacted by your student loans. Learn from a best-in-class 14-year financial pro who has helped professionals get eight figures of student loan debt forgiven, reduced, reorganized, or expedited. I'm Brenton Harrison, and this is the Escape Student Loan Debt Podcast. Hello, this is Brenton Harrison, founder of Escape Student Loan Debt and your host for the Escape Student Loan Debt Podcast. This is part two in our history of student loan debt. And if you're with us in part one, we covered how, based on a reporting loophole at that time, the government shifted towards offering student loans as federally backed student loans in conjunction with private banks. And in doing so, they effectively obscured the amount of money that was actually being funneled toward education in this country. That relationship continued until 1972, where you see the creation of the Student Loan Marketing Association better known as Sally May. You're listening to the Escape Student Loan Debt Podcast. Subscribe now at escapestudentloandebt.com. Welcome back. It's important to understand that Sally May was a private company, but they were one that was created by Congress. There are certain private entities that Congress has to create called government-sponsored enterprises. And these are entities that are seen as facilitating the flow of money throughout the economy. You might see an example of this in the government giving federally backed mortgages, and Sally Mae was seen as a similar type of organization. They were to act as a middleman between the government and these private banks that were offering federally backed student loans through the Guaranteed Student Loan Program. With this special status as a GSE, a government-sponsored enterprise, also came some restrictions that they had to adhere to. One of those restrictions is that they could not have a direct-to-consumer relationship. You could not just go get a loan from Sally Mae. And instead, they made money two ways. The first would be borrowing money from the federal government at, say, 3 or 4%, and then turning around and lending that money to a private bank at maybe 6 or 7%, so that bank could go make more federally-backed student loans. The second way they would make money is they would borrow money from the federal government at 3 or 4%, and they would buy older federally backed loans off of the books of private banks. And in doing so, they're not only getting money as that loan is repaid with interest over time, but there was often also a spread between the borrowing cost and the repayment cost. They could borrow at three and 4% and buy a loan that was being repaid over 20 years at six or 7%. This is great for private banks who have a constant source of federal funds allowing them to make federally backed student loans, is great for the government because as a private entity, Sally Mae does not have to report the intricate details of how much the government has guaranteed through the Guaranteed Student Loan Program. But it's only great for Sally Mae if the two ways they're allowed to make a profit continue to be profitable. And throughout the history of this relationship, anytime one or both of those ways are threatened, Sally Mae goes to the government and demands a renegotiation of the terms. The first time this happens is in 1973, just one year after the creation of Sally Mae, when they approach the government and say, even though we have a sweet deal here, we are still having to borrow money at an interest rate higher than we should have to, given what we're allowing you to obscure through this relationship. The government almost immediately acquiesces, and in 1973, they created 
the Federal Financing Bank. And this was an arm of the Treasury that existed for the sole purpose of lending money to Sally May at bargain basement prices lower than anywhere else you can find when you're borrowing from the federal government. This allows Sally May to have a larger spread both when they lend money to private banks and also on the loans that they are buying off of those banks' books. So now one hand is washing the other a little better. But if you think that this is the last time Sally May would go to the government asking for a sweetener, you'd be mistaken. Because between the years 1973 and 1979, you saw interest rates increase countrywide. And even for an entity like Sally Mae, rising interest rates still mean that their borrowing costs are increasing as well. Now, an increase isn't a huge concern when it comes to lending money to other private banks because they can simply just increase the rate that they're charging them. But the second way they make money, buying older loans, is now threatened. Because if you used to borrow money at 3 or 4% and buy old loans being repaid at 5 or 6%, it's not as easy to make a profit if it now costs you 5 or 6% to borrow that money from the government. Your spread has been eliminated and thus your profit has been eliminated. So Sally Mae goes to the government again and they say, we want a renegotiation of the agreement. And in 1979, the government acquiesces yet again and guarantees Sally Mae for any money they borrow from the government and then use to buy older loans from private banks, they will guarantee them a 3.5% return on their investment on top of whatever it costs them to borrow. So now Sally Mae has a guarantee from the government that they will not only never lose money when they use it to buy older loans, but in fact, they have a minimum return on their investment of at least 3.5%. And if that were you, how would you respond? You would probably use those funds as frequently as possible to go buy as many older loans as you possibly could. Well, that's what they did, which only freed up these banks to offer more and more federally backed student loans. And this ridiculous relationship continued for years. But as we get closer to the year 1990, you start to finally see some signs that people are paying attention. There are congressmen and congresswomen who feel that this agreement might be a little opaque. There are economists who are starting to sniff out that the government might be on the hook for more of these federally backed student loans than they've let on. And all of these whispers culminate in the year 1990 with the passage of the Federal Credit Reform Act. And this was just a monumental form of legislation because it required for the first time that all forms of federal debt be given a full account of the total cost throughout the course of their repayment. So for the first time, the government has to give an honest accounting of the amount of federally backed student loans they've guaranteed through the Guaranteed Student Loan Program. And when those numbers were tallied, it was discovered that in 1990 dollars, there was almost $2 billion per year being funneled from the Federal Financing Bank through the halls of Sally Mae. Now, that's a lot of money to be sure, but it wasn't what led to the fracturing of the relationship between the government and Sally Mae. Because it's one thing to say how much you had to give to Sally Mae in the past. It's another thing to keep them in the equation in the future when the sole purpose of their existence was they allowed you to hide how much you were guaranteeing in student loan debt. And with this loophole now closed, the government quickly decided that they would be better off removing Sally May as the middleman from the equation and going back to offering direct student loans straight from the government. Sally May responded to this threat to their existence in some very predictable ways. And after the break, we'll tell you how this battle royale between the two organizations 
came at the benefit of universities hoping to raise tuition, but at the expense of your student debt balance. This is the Escape Student Loan Debt Podcast. A show for established professionals whose student loan payments or loan balances are impacting their marriage, their business, their credit, or their dream of achieving home ownership. We'll be right back. Are you interested in learning the tools and techniques we use to get student loans forgiven, reduced, reorganized, or expedited? Well, great news. We're currently updating our flagship course, Escape Student Loan Debt, to reflect the current changes in the student loan landscape. To stay up to date on the launch of the course and opportunities to sit in on our live recording sessions, head to EscapeStudentLoanDebt.com and join our email list now. You're listening to the Escape Student Loan Debt Podcast. Subscribe now at EscapeStudentLoanDebt.com. Welcome back. In 1992, the government formally resumed the direct loan program, but they did not eliminate the guaranteed student loan program, which allowed Sally Mae to continue offering federally backed Stafford and FFEL loans through private banks. And this means that these two Types of loan programs are now fighting for the attention of these university presidents and admissions offices, the government hoping that they will shift and start encouraging their students to take as many direct loans as possible, and Sally May incentivizing them whenever they can to continue pushing federally backed student loans through the guaranteed student loan program. And Sally May would do this by doing things like offering them free golf trips or cruises for university presidents who originate a certain amount of loans through this program, through their organization. But the government has some nasty tricks up their sleeve as well, because in 1996, they formally severed the tie between the government and Sally May by removing their government-sponsored enterprise status and making them a completely private entity. Now, their hope was by severing that relationship, they would cut Sally May off at the knees, but it had an unintended consequence. Because now Sally Mae is free to make a profit however they choose, meaning they can initiate a direct-to-consumer relationship and start offering private student loans. If you're a university president and you're seeing all this, you now have zero incentive to keep your tuition at a reasonable rate from year over year. Because if your students need money for education, they can get a Perkins loan through the National Defense Student Loan Program, which still existed. They can get a Stafford or an FFEL loan through the Guaranteed Student Loan Program in Sally May. They can get a direct loan straight from the Department of Education. And now they can even get a private loan straight from Sally May. But if you're the student, you now have four or five different options in front of you, none of which you understand, including private student loans that at their peak were charging interest rates of almost 30%. And this confusion led to an increasing number of federal and private student borrowers who were simply unable to repay their debt and fell into default status on their student loans. Now, both Sally Mae and the federal government don't want this to happen because neither of them benefits from student loan borrowers who have a loan on the book that has fallen into the default status. So in the late 90s, early 2000s, you see both organizations support legislative changes that eventually led to both federal and private student loans being added to the undue hardship test in bankruptcy proceedings, which effectively makes it almost impossible to have federal and private student debt discharged in bankruptcy. And even though this provided a little more cover, the federal government still had more of a foundation to lean on in terms of protections than Sally May did. 
because as a result of their decision to start pushing private student loans, there were some unintended consequences for Sally May that started to rear their head in the early 2000s. See, federal student debt has no statute of limitations in terms of how long you can be pursued for repayment, meaning that if you take out a loan for graduate school when you're 25 years old and you die when you're 90 years old, for the entire length of that period, until the day you die, the government can pursue you for that debt. But for private student loans, each of the 50 states has a statute of limitations beyond which point a private student loan issuer cannot sue you for repayment. And as the years increased, and the percentage of private student loan borrowers with Sally May that defaulted on their loans grew higher and higher, Sally May's finances became shakier and shakier until they eventually became financially insolvent and were on the brink of bankruptcy. And if you're the federal government, you simply cannot watch Sally May become bankrupt because even though they're your mortal enemy, they still have tens of thousands of federally-backed student loans on their books. And if Sally May exits the equation, The only entity left there holding the bag is the federal government. So the government goes to the aid of their friend turned enemy one final time. And in 2008, they made Sally May the Great Recession's first recipient of a federal bailout. That's the history of student debt in this country as I see it. And while it may be a little frustrating, it is definitely instructive. And as we continue in this podcast, you will see how this history is relevant to legislative changes to student loan policy changes, and even the creation of legal loopholes that you can use to help get your student debt forgiven, reduced, reorganized, and refinanced. And it's my job as your host to bring all of those lessons to light. Tune in next episode so we can get that ball rolling. See you then. From Escape Student Loan Debt, this was the Escape Student Loan Debt Podcast, a show for established professionals whose student loan payments or loan balances are impacting their marriage, their business, their credit, or their dream of achieving homeownership.